You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. All right, guys, welcome uh, Rob from Fantasy Football State of Mind. I'm Smitty from the Fantasy Football Show. In this podcast, we're going to be breaking down the rookies, right, Rob? What, what are we, we going to be talking about essentially in this podcast? Smitty, we're going to be breaking down our top three rookie running backs and rookie receivers and see where the heck we have these guys ranked and where the heck we should be drafting them. Okay, uh, start off with, yeah, let's start off with running backs. Who's your number one rookie running back and why? Well, um, the, the, this answer is pretty obvious. And um, if, if this guy's not the 1.01 in any, every rookie draft, then <laughs> there's definitely some reevaluating that has to happen. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is, is the guy that made a splash at the end of the first round um, on the draft last week. And I think, without a doubt, he should be the number one running back on anyone's board when we're talking about rookies um as far as where i have him ranked overall um i I don't know if this is controversial or not but uh at the end of the second round early third round is the earliest i'm willing to take uh clyde edwards alaire and the upside just it's kind of obvious uh do you see things a little bit differently uh probably a little higher on him than you and that's you know probably sounds weird to you because you feel high on him (laughs) but but clyde edwards alaire is like the perfect combination of of talent meeting situation and then those two meshing well together um so well together that i think we're looking at the next maurice jones drew and if you look at his style of play that's evident that he's the next maurice jones drew what i mean by that isn't oh he's gonna be this good i mean it in every uh every way you could describe it too like from the build of the guy the fact that he's like built like a bowling ball and if you watch his film, and a lot of people aren't, a lot of people are just kind of taking in the analysis that they're they're trusted analysis, you know, analyst, and taking the analysis in from them and kind of regurgitating it back to other people. Like if you watch a lot of the footage on him, and you can find a ton of it on YouTube, the guy is you can't find anybody that's like him in the in the league currently. You can only go back to Maurice Jones Drew, and the build and balance of Maurice Jones Drew was was so unique and different than anything we had ever seen at that point heading into the NFL, you know, up to that, that point where Maurice Jones, he was drafted because his low center of gravity and ability to not get knocked over when he got hit, it was like a, a pinball, you know, a game watching this guy get bounced around. And so Clyde Edwards, Larry, when you watch him run the football, his patience, his ability to hit a hole, his ability to probably catch 60 passes at a minimum every single season at the NFL level, like right out of the gate. He, as a rookie, he's going to catch 55, 60 passes. I have no doubt about it, um, especially in that offense. And especially since Pat Mahomes himself said when he was called by Andy Reid during the draft, who do you want? Mahomes said without hesitation, Clyde. Mm-hmm. And 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 they handpicked this guy. And you don't spend draft capital, you know, in the first round, especially if you're Andy Reid, on a running back you're not going to insert into your lineup, at least by the next, you know, the – three, four weeks into the season. Like, could he start slow as a rookie with this COVID-19 situation going on? He doesn't learn the playbook, absorb the offense. Yeah, but but even in limited touches, this guy can take the football house at any moment. And if you watch his film, you'll see that there's no one like him currently in the NFL, let alone, you know, nobody like him in the past but MJD. And I'll leave you with this, and then I'll tell you my ranking. Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow has played, he played for more than one team. 
Joe Burrow's played with some of the best players in college football. Um, even though he has a short resume, he still played with a lot of people. The list is crazy long. Mike Thomas, both Bosa brothers, uh, yep. Chase, uh, Chase Young, um, Chase, Chasen, a lot of these guys coming out of this draft. He said Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Mike Thomas, he played with Mike Thomas. Michael Thomas. Yeah, there you go. He said Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the best football player he's ever played with. And that's a, <laughs> that's incredible. That, that's quite a uh, a tip of the hat. And, and yeah. uh, I just looked it up just to, just from a size comparison. It's uncanny how much this guy looks like Maurice Jones Drew. I mean, we're talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 5'8, 209. Maurice Jones Drew coming into the NFL, 5'7, 210. Yeah. Right. They're, they're... So, like, we're, we're talking about a pound off and an inch off. Uh, yeah. If, if it was it's just it's literally the reincarnation and it's, of it's, Maurice Jones Drew, and it's you'll hear me talk about it on a lot of my YouTube videos. Um, the the micro movements of this guy that make him special because he can make you slide off him and at his bowling ball style build. When a linebacker doesn't hit him full dead on direct, they will slide off him and he won't fall over. So that's the the uniqueness about this guy that, that you just can't explain unless you see it. And you understand what I'm what I mean when I say those micro movements to be able to shift left and right while still going north, it, it's just it's so crazy. So I'm, it's I'm inc- gonna... it's incredible. Well, Smitty, let's stay on this topic one for one quick second. We we talk about ceilings of of a player. Is, is Clyde Edwards Hilaire is his ceiling top three? Yeah, easily as a top three running back. I mean, he, you could say that he has the risk of like any rookie that hasn't touched the football at the NFL level a risk of busting, getting hurt. I mean, if Clyde Edwards Hilaire tore his ACL tomorrow, you could pretty much say the trajectory of his career could be altered for the long term. Guys mm-hmm. young and guys that young can come back, but other players replace that person. People move, teams move on like anything can happen, but if he stays healthy, I don't see how he doesn't climb into the top 5 overall picks within one calendar year from today or at least uh you know at least two calendar years but i'd say one calendar year from today so his second year he's a top five to ten overall pick in fantasy that's not that big of a stretch too when you're talking about him being in everybody's top 20 already as a rookie so in redraft i would say that i would take him as high as anywhere as my second drafted player in dynasty I'd toy around with making him my first drafted player, although I'd do my very best to, to draft him at 2.01 if I could in a dynasty league or use my first rounder on another player and trade my third and fourth rounder up and get him on top of my second rounder. Like, I'm going to do everything I can not to make put myself or my team in a position of if Clyde doesn't deliver right away, I lose. I'm going to try and make him my third right. player, even though I'm drafting him where you draft your second draft of players. So give me top five to 10 future upside in redraft. Give me, give me 13 on. I'll take him anywhere from 13 on overall. I like it. And I think, I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott kind of squashed the narrative a few years ago coming out of the draft. He was, he was looked at as arguably the best talent to come out of college football since Adrian Peterson. And the debate at that point, if you remember was, how could we possibly take a rookie running back in the first round if we have yet to see this guy in game action and, and adapt to the NFL? So I think Zeke silenced that. Saquon Barkley has silenced that. And I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has that sort of upside given the team that he's on. So, uh, I mean, just, just in, the, in going back and forth with you, I mean, for myself personally in the ranks, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit too low on him, <laughs> thinking I'm a little bit too high. 
but uh, you know, given what we've seen with these other with Saquon and with Zeke, I have I have no issue taking Clyde anywhere in the second round. And if if he falls to you in round three, then he could win you the league. He could win you the league at fifteen overall too. Like yeah, I mean he's he's mm-hmm. so dynamic, but. Again, my favorite approach is getting him without touching my first or second rounder. So I'm a big trade guy. So I'll trade my third and fourth round picks, both of them, for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You're probably not going to be able to do that because anybody that drafts him probably will not let him go. They won't re- They won't let him uh, go from the uh-huh. food grip. So you got to go after the pick that can get him. So even in redraft, trade your third and fourth rounder for him and, and pair you know, Zeke Elliott and and, you know, whoever you take Godwin, whatever I I've had a couple leagues leagues and drafts so far where I've taken Mahomes, Hilaire and Hill, you know, <laughs> Mahomes, <laughs> Mahomes, Kelsey and Hilaire. And I don't care. It feels fun. It's one of my favorite leagues so far. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I play in enough leagues where I can toy around with different ideas and that's yeah. potent offense to have. And it, it, it sounds terrible when you look at it on paper to, to lean on three of your most important positions to come off of one team. But I will tell you that in 2013, I had no Sean Moreno, Peyton Manning, and Julius Thomas, and it worked out really well. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you pick the right offense to do, to do this strategy, the, like the, the triple down or quadruple down on, on one team, you know, don't do it in every draft. Don't do it in every league you have. But if you play in enough leagues, you can toy around with ideas like this. And if Mahomes, Hill, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all, all explode like I think they will, like, how is anybody going to stop you, especially if you do have other pieces on your team that you do well drafting and, and, you know, stacking, you know, like you get a cream hunt, he gets in there, you know, like you're just going to take, you're going to take that mm-hmm. championship by week eight. I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I love it. All right. So number two running back uh, is, is probably going to be, I'm going to guess Jonathan Taylor for you and, and where, where you draft him in redraft. Now here, here's where I think we differ a little bit. So um, for me, the my, my two is is Cam Akers. Okay, right, and I and I know how how you feel about him personally. You can kind of go into it here in a second, but I think Cam Akers landed in the perfect spot. Right, he's a versatile running back. He's got obviously just a lot of upside being in a situation where I think he's going to get the workload. Now I know the Rams weren't <laughs> weren't the greatest offense last year. Um, but I do expect that the offense is going to completely change around. Maybe not to the the potence that we've seen maybe a few years back when they reached the Super Bowl, but I do think that the that the Rams in general are a team that people are kind of sleeping on, and I do believe that Cam Akers is going to be someone that they're going to need to rely on a lot to take the pressure off of Jared Goff. So I think just given the situation, given the opportunity, I think Cam Akers can succeed in the Rams' offense. And uh, that's why I have him at, at my two spot. So where do you draft him in redraft? Um, in redraft, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it kind of cautious because he is going to go in more of that fourth, end of the fourth, early fifth. So the highest out of reach for Cam Akers is probably going to be at the beginning of the fourth round. And that's obviously based off of what happened the three rounds prior. So who, who the heck did I land leading up to that pick? But if I maybe went a little bit heavy on receivers and waited a little bit on a running back, I may pull a trigger a little bit faster. Yeah. So it, it kind of depends. Yeah, see, we're, we see this definitely differently, which is fine. That's why we play, and, and no analyst is right on even, you know, more than 75% of the time on all the things that they call. So this could be one I miss, but I'll tell you right now, this is not coming from a place of, of being blind 
in wanting Daryl Henderson to prove me right from last year's predictions about Daryl Henderson it has nothing to do with that. In fact, I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you that, that I don't trust the Rams for anything. And I think that they could, they could definitely completely ignore Daryl Henderson. But when I watched all the, the footage of these guys and I, and I have, I've watched them all so much. I've, I've watched everything I could get my hands on 10 times over. And if you watch Cam Akers, he's super, super raw. And, and mm-hmm. it could translate. He could improve. Um, there are players that came out of college that, that, that got a lot better at the next level. So it, to be fair to him, you can't just use that one thing and say, oh, well, there's some things he needs to work on. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to call him a bust. But when you factor in that the Rams completely screwed over Daryl Henderson after showing that they liked him as much as they showed they, they liked Cam Akers, you know, going up to get him, drafting this guy, putting, trying to put him in a position where, hey, we're saying this is our future, and then not even using him at all, um, giving him 30 carries and judging him based on his 30 carries, I think, is, is a little premature. And, uh, and everybody saying that he sucks and he didn't prove himself last year. He got 30-something carries in really bad situations. And if you watch his film and Cam Akers' film, it's not even close. Like, Daryl Henderson's film is way better. But you could argue that there's a, a lesser competition that Daryl Henderson faced, and that's a good argument, I, and I understand that. But mm-hmm. when I watch Cam Akers, I see flaw after flaw after flaw that at the next level is going to either get him hurt, get him in trouble, um, and not have him reading defenses properly. He's not patient. He, he misses the hole. He doesn't let plays develop. Um, he's too quick on, his, on reading the defense. And he crosses his feet all the time and, most importantly, lowers his head at almost every collision that he, he finds himself in. And instead of trying to do what a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does, which is make a micro-movement, take a very uh, limited hit, make someone roll off his shoulder and keep going down the field, he, uh, Cam Akers lowers his head and tries to barrel into with his head, not, not just like with his shoulder, with his head. Every time with his head. He tries to barrel into, mm-hmm. into two defenders, sometimes a huge, you know, big linebacker. He's not going to stay healthy if he does that. Not on top of that, if we're talking redraft, these rookies will be eased along because they're not going to have time to absorb these offenses. And if I think it's crazy to assume um, that the Rams are going to hand the ball to this rookie when they proved that they weren't willing to do that last year with Daryl Henderson before Daryl Henderson supposedly even failed on people. They just didn't give him the football. I don't see how he's going to, by weeks, even two or three, be getting enough touches to warrant a fourth-round draft selection. So for me, it's not so much that I think he's a 100% bust. Given the cost in redraft, I'm not touching him. I'd rather have an A.J. Brown in a heartbeat over a Cam Akers. Um, there's fourth-rounders that I, that I like a ton in 2020. So it's more about that than anything else. And, and I still think Daryl Henderson is going to have a little bit of a window what he does with that opportunity is going to determine the rest, but he's going to for sure have an opening to get some touches and finally see what he's capable of doing in this offense. So that's my take on it. I think they give him an opportunity. I think Cam Akers, just from a physical standpoint, being 5'10", 217, fits the more of a mold of what Todd Gurley was. Um, I mean, Todd Gurley did touch the ball over 250 times, did find the end zone 14 times last year, and he had a pretty bad year from a fantasy perspective, those that owned them definitely know. So um, more so if, if I'm just kind of replacing Todd Gurley in, in giving Cam Akers even, you know, 70% of what 
Todd Gurley's opportunity was last year. I think there's just an opportunity for him to succeed. Obviously, they went to draft him for a reason. If they were content with uh, Daryl Henderson and with uh, with uh, sorry Brown, correct? Yeah. Backup running back for the Rams. Yeah, but yeah, Malcolm Brown. But yeah, but you got you got to also ask yourself though that 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 same this is the same story though. Like you could you could argue, oh no, Todd Gurley was one of the best running backs. No, he wasn't though. Todd Gurley wasn't one of the best running backs in football. This isn't that different of a story. Uh, Cam Akers is getting drafted the same way they drafted Daryl Henderson, and, and I just don't think expecting them to use him early with a shortened and modified offseason, I just don't understand, you know, why everyone's expecting him to even be close to getting 70% of the work, even, rem- you know, anywhere near weeks two, three, four, five. You know, I just don't – I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I- yeah, I mean, I, I get the argument of of the early work, and the truth of the matter is, I don't see any of these rookies really emerging as somebody who can take twenty to twenty five touches week one. I think to some extent, every rookie that we that we that we're talking about at the running back position is going to have three, four, even five weeks of development before we can really see what the opportunity is, uh, based on the situation we're in with obviously with with COVID nineteen. So I, I just think the same thing goes in when we're looking at Cam Akers and, and evaluating his, his upside. I do think that there's opportunity in the Rams offense. I do think that Sean McVay is going to get this thing turned around. I don't think that the Rams are going to be as bad as we saw them last year. And maybe me in the, in the belief in McVay has, it, has me uh, look, looking at this a little, you know, a little bit differently. But um, for, for just the plain upside of somebody that you can draft in the fourth or fifth round that can possibly finish as an RB2, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard with, with the Cam Akers train, man. Yeah, I, you know, I, and I don't blame anybody for, for being excited about it. I was excited about Daryl Henderson in that situation, thinking he was going to replace Todd Gurley's role. So I, I get it, man. I, I guess I just feel like I was there last year, and, mm-hmm. and I'm watching everybody, you know, follow, follow my path. Yeah expecting <laughs> a little bit too much from a coaching staff that has literally lied about every single thing um, regarding that running back position since the Super Bowl when they said, oops, we forgot to use the best player in the NFL during the entire Super Bowl. Our bad. You know, believe us. You know, what, you know what I think about that situation? They, they paid Todd Gurley such an exorbitant amount of money uh, leading up to that, right? So... It was almost like, you know, you had a Ferrari and you didn't want to disclose the fact that the, that the engine was on its way out, but you really wanted just to showcase the fact that you had this Ferrari and you wanted to, uh, in, in the event that somebody wanted to buy the damn Ferrari, you were going to let them know that the Ferrari, the Ferrari was fine. So I think it's not so much that, that, that they were lying, but they were just kind of protecting their investment and seeing if they could ultimately get something for Todd Gurley, which they ultimately try to do. And it just didn't happen. Well, so, I think they tried to uh, use him for a full year after that. So that's, I get what you're saying. But at the same time, yeah. they're in the leasing business, my friend. And, and Cam Akers <laughs> is now a lease. And Daryl Henderson was last year's lease. Who's going to be the lease in 2021 is my question to you. But, okay, let's do So, Jonathan Taylor, to me, is the mm-hmm. the the clear second-ranked running back. Um, I can understand an argument. I don't accept it that somebody might have him over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, um, you know, it doesn't sit well with me, <laughs> but I can understand like where someone could be coming from one of the best offensive lines in the league, but, but he's, you know, he's not going to walk in and just, uh, Phillip rivers 
hasn't had a chance to get to know that team and build rapport with those players. So it's going to be hard to imagine them saying, hey, let's throw you know a new QB into a new situation and let's just throw rookies a rookie into the mix too. They're going to want some consistency, some continuity. I, I think they're going to ease him in, and I think he'll be really, really good. But it could be one of those Josh Jacobs situations where the Oakland Raiders, uh, the now Las, Van- Las Vegas Raiders, it's so hard to remember that. Uh, the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders um, said that, you know, we're going to give Josh Jacobs more receiving work in 2020. They didn't give him a whole hell of a lot in 2019. It was frustrating for people because there's very few running backs right now that their values change across PPR and non-PPR. You have Leonard Fournette, he used to be, and who knows what's going to happen with him this year, um, where he dropped a lot in, 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 in PPR, but he was really highly valued in, in non-PPR. Well, Jacobs should get into the PPR mix too. Um, but I think that similar to his 2019, where he was super value in non-PPR, had limitations in PPR. You're going to see that maybe out of Jonathan Taylor in year one, because Naheem Hines is a really good receiving back. Max, a very good receiving back. They both mm-hmm. have experience in this system that's going to be, you know, complex, but the running back's going to get a lot of receptions. So I, it's hard for me to imagine him being handed too much too early. And so for me, I draft him about where you're drafting Cam Akers, and I feel comfortable with that um, fourth-round value. There's a lot of good third-rounders. Depending on the flow of draft, I could see myself taking Jonathan Taylor in the right situation in the third round in a redraft, but I'm ultimately hoping he falls to me in the fourth. And in Dynasty, I'd say, you know, he's got top, I don't know that he ever reaches Clyde Edwards Lair value, like top five running back value. I see him more like uh, where Jacobs is now, like a guy that kind of for years, you know, three, four years will hover around 11 to 14 overall. I think that's about his ceiling, but that's really good. Yeah, where do you think his limitation is? I mean, obviously, he was the most productive running back coming out of the draft from a rushing perspective. Um, obviously, the reception side of, of it really, really hurts him, right? Because yeah. from, from an overall running back standpoint, I think I think he's fantastic. And an argument can be made that he's probably the best talent just from a pure running back standpoint. But in the NFL, you're, you're, you're asked to do a lot, right? And, and catching passages is something, something that he has not done before. And it, it kind of reminds me of just Marlon Mack. Like Marlon Mack was actually really productive last year. He rushed for over a thousand yards. He had eight rushing touchdowns, right? Yeah. The year before in just 12 games, he had 908 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. So Marlon Mack is a pretty damn good running back. You know what I mean? So when I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor, the only downside is just really like Marlon Mack isn't going to get cut. He's not going anywhere. And Hines, and quite, Hines either. You know, Hines. Hines either. Like, Hines caught 44 passes last year, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about an upside of a running back, I mean, if you combine Mack, uh, Hines' 44 receptions with Marlon Mack's production on the ground, then you get a pretty solid RB1. But unless you think that Jonathan Taylor is going to somehow absorb both of those running backs' production, then I think that's kind of where my thought process with Jonathan Taylor is at least this year, I think there's definitely some limitations, and I think he has the highest possibility to bust for folks that are drafting him and in, in, in reaching for him in the third round. Because I do think that people are going to draft him in the third round. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. The Jonathan, the or the Josh Jacobs like effect that, that he had, you know, in 2019. If it's non PPR, Jacobs yep. was you know a beast. If it's PPR, 
then you're like you're left you know you have something you're you're left to be desired you know so I, I i think yeah i think you're right i think i think this could be is for as much hype as this running back class got it a little <laughs> disappointing other than Clyde Edwards Hilaire, in my opinion, even with Jonathan Taylor, everyone's really excited about that Indianapolis landing spot. And I'm, I'm sharing your concerns for 2020. I think it's going to be one of those things where you're like, wow, you know, where was that yeah. running back production that we were all banking on in 2020? Dude, it, it, it all, it almost, it almost gives me kind of David Montgomery feels where yeah. we're going in a week one and we're like, Hey, Jonathan Taylor has only touched the ball six, seven yeah. times. Then we're week two. It's like, okay, this is it. Nope, he only touched it eight times, right? Yeah. And Philip Rivers just feels comfortable with a certain player. And at the end of the day, since he is the quarterback, he is leading the team. And th- this is, for, for all intents and purposes, a, a shot at trying to reach Super Bowl for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I, I just don't see that they, that they rush someone in who doesn't necessarily need to be rushed in. right? It, yeah, so, and, and I've said this before when you and I were uh, on an Instagram Live together. Don't mm-hmm. be shocked. If if AJ Dillon ends up being one of the most productive rookie running backs <laughs> from this entire 2020 draft class, and I've been called pretty crazy for a, a lot of things, <laughs> for a lot of things that I say, because I I do have a bold stance a lot of time. It's kind of my my niche, man, is to try and find these these crazy you know things that people aren't thinking, different outside of the box way of looking at things, and and you know I do I don't I, see that as crazy, do, man. I really do. Don't. I hit on everything, no, but I wouldn't be you know, still in the business 16 years if, if I didn't, you know, <laughs> didn't hit some of these things. So obviously kind of feel like I, that's my niche. I know, I know where to find some of these, these talents that people are overlooking. It's kind of like a stock market when value's low. I, I, I can feel when a player's got, you know, way more upside than the value and AJ Dillon, I, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but, but I'd rather, I wouldn't draft AJ Dillon over Cam Akers. But I wouldn't put I wouldn't put a single you know bit of money on on a bet saying that Cam Akers would outscore AJ Dillon in 2020. I just feel like that offense with an injury prone Aaron Jones with a team that doesn't believe in Aaron Jones. You continue to ask that Green Bay coaching staff if they will lean on Aaron Jeez. Jones. They continue to say no. They don't just say we love Aaron Jones. We're going to get another running back in here to kind of help keep him healthy. They actually say things that sound like. We don't like Aaron Jones, <laughs> and he rushed for 19 touchdowns. This offense is going to feed him. I would say A.J. Dillon is one of those guys that somehow will end up with, like, eight touchdowns, you know, and, and, yeah. and have this this yardage that isn't bad. And he's a, he's bigger than Derrick Henry, and, and which is hard to imagine, but he is. And I think he's taller by a, by a little bit. So – I just feel like that if you're going to take a gamble on one of these rookies on your bench to try and like win your redraft league, he's going to be the one that is probably the cheapest that has the most ceiling. Um, JK Dobbins. I love a lot too. People will be soured on his landing spot in a redraft sense because they should be because Mark Ingram is a good running back that that Ravens team believes in. And he's a team leader. He's, they rally around him, Um, him and him and, and, uh, and Lamar Jackson are, are tight, you know, Lamar yeah. Jackson isn't going to want a rookie to replace Mark Ingram. So unless Mark Ingram gets hurt, we're looking at a similar, uh, good way you put it. Um, David Montgomery type situation all year long with JK. Smitty, Smitty, there, there's a good chance that AJ Dillon and JK Dobbins end up being 
the most fantasy relevant running backs to come out of this class because I, I feel like they're brought in for a reason. And as you mentioned, AJ AJ Dillon's six feet, two hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, like the dude. The dude is a truck. So when we're when we're looking at Aaron Jones' production last year and being able to punch it in, or, or you know, nineteen times, <laughs> nineteen times, we're looking at AJ Dillon as an immediate threat to that production. And I, I feel that that they're going to probably try to use um, Dillon as 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 kind of that goal to go to goal back option yeah and it, I, I do i do think that he has flex worthy value early on so I, I'm, a strategy of mine and i'll just give it out now draft aj Dillon and jk dobbins in the seventh eighth round in every draft that you can this year because both of those guys can win you in a league at the back half of the season yeah and, and you know put put those guys next to which is one of my favorite fantasy football um, uh, pieces of advice I give every offseason is grab those backs that, that can mm-hmm. win you a league. And and now those guys join my already collected favorite group led by Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, um, uh, Alexander Madison. So you, you have <laughs> those three guys that are win a league capable in the later rounds. And if Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt's been climbing, but I still find him in the late sixth round sometimes very very early seventh or if i think he's gonna go i'll trade my eighth and ninth rounder for or i'll trade my seventh and eighth rounder for a high six and make sure i grab uh, uh cream hunt without touching my top six picks I'm, I'm very strategic of how i grab a player if i feel like their adp is a little too high but i want that player i'll figure out mm-hmm. a way using my depth to make it happen without touching any of the players before that draft selection so yes, add J.K. Dobbins to that list. Add add Dylan to that list, and and I'm staying away from Aaron Jones in 2020 and beyond. And in Dynasty, I'm selling him as fast as I can. And it's not that he couldn't continue to do well. It's just you mix in A.J. Dylan. You mix you mix in the doubt that that Green Bay coaching staff continues to have surrounding using uh, Aaron Jones as a full time runner, and then you mix in uh, mix in the injury prone. Uh, you know, worries that you've got to have if you own Aaron Jones, who's who's you can't shake an injury prone label that that Aaron Jones would had with one good season. You know, he's a very injury prone guy. So, and, and he's been known to be lazy during the off season. So, that, I know these are all very little things, but when you combine them all together, it's a lot of red flags. You know, so right. a guy that's been known to be lazy in the off season without any direction right now from personnel. And being watched over like a hawk, like these players are during the offseason, it's a recipe for getting hurt. A lot. Of, I think there's going to be a lot of injuries in 2020, given oh, yeah. the coronavirus situation. So injuries are more yep. something to look out for than normal with some of these guys. I, I will say with Aaron Jones, I mean, it, it, it's remarkable how productive he was last year when you look at it. 4.6 yard per carry, right? He had five games over 100 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns on the ground, three in the air. You know, 49 receptions, 474 yards. That this guy is so good, and the fact that they just don't say, "Hey, we're just going to kind of lean on what was working last year," is is absolutely crazy. They got to the NFC Championship game on the back of Aaron Jones, and something for whatever reason is not working. I do know the injury-prone label, but you know, he did he he did play 12 games his rookie year, 12 games his sophomore year, and then he played the full clip last year. So I, I do think it's a little bit overblown. Um, but at the end of the day, they did draft this huge behemoth 
of AJ Dillon. So, so he, he, here's <laughs> the thing with with his injury prone label, though. There there's some kind of rhyme and reason to it, though. And I think that if you watch the details of this thing and how it unfolds, it'll tell the story, and you can be predictive with it. But but Aaron Jones was lazy during his mm-hmm. offseason programs, which led to injury. He wasn't refining conditions. He wasn't ready to take the full load. This is part of why, and we don't see why in practice they don't believe in him. But there might be a there might be a long history of him not being reliable for them in terms of all that. So he comes right. into last offseason. And, and let me also mention that no one no one that I can find documented was higher on him than I was last year because he was in my not my top six bold predictions. So I loved Aaron Jones last year, and this is why mm-hmm. he came into twenty twenty completely ripped. He had uh, you know an eight pack. He was completely re transformed into a different player with his offseason program. And to me, mm-hmm. I thought this is the difference maker for him. If he's ever going to do well, and I've always liked Aaron Jones talent-wise, it's going to be this year because he, he's coming in prepared, healthy, and he's going to finally be able to take, you know, the conditioning part of his game and the ability to take hits because he's so, so much more fit is going to all come together. So that's why I loved him heading into 2019 and put him on my top six bold predictions for out of every player in the entire league, top six. So I loved him. Yeah. But I if he... If we get word that this guy is ripped again, he's taking things seriously, he's never been in better shape, I'm going to start having a little bit of, of doubt mm-hmm. about my, my – doubt about my doubt. And I might look to yeah. draft him and Dylan together. But until I, I find that out, I'm going to assume the worst with this COVID situation. I'm going to assume he's not in pristine condition right now. Until I see players that players are – I'm assuming the worst right. in terms of, of their ability to get hurt if they're a very injury-prone guy. I think it's just a way to be cautious. So watch his offseason. Um, right. Keep tabs on how you know much he's been working out and how fit he is, and I think that can help guide us a little bit where to draft him at least. Well, let me ask you a question, Smitty, because the consensus industry-wise that Aaron Jones' fantasy value has taken a deep shot. Yeah. Right? So the, the consensus right now is that he's no longer a second-round draft pick. And that he's dropped significantly. So what's the what's the what's the earliest you're willing to take him, based on this new philosophy that he's just not going to be who he was last year? So are you willing to take him in the middle of the third round? He's such a tough player to to draft that I can't even give you an answer. I'd have to go based on flow of draft every time. So if if like AJ Brown was not there, and you know there's some players that I just like a whole hell of a lot more. Obviously, I'm going to take Pat Mahomes or Kelsey or Kittle. Um, those guys are all there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I'm not even considering Aaron Jones over those guys. But if you get down to uh, like the end of the third round, let's say he falls, mm-hmm. and you're talking about like throw a couple names at me, and I'll tell you yes or no. Yeah, let's do this right now. So um, let, let's paint the picture out. First round, you drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, right? I'm happy. In the second. In the second round, you drafted. Um, let's just say you drafted Austin Eckler. Okay, right? I'm real happy right now. Go ahead. Okay, you came back in the third round, and uh, and you drafted Pat Mahomes. I like that. For whatever reason, Aaron Jones is now in the fourth round, sitting there, and you have to make a decision between AJ Brown, Aaron Jones, and Jonathan Taylor. Who are you taking in that situation? Um, I'm taking it. AJ Brown, for one, I need a wide receiver in that scenario. Two, I think AJ Brown's 
destined for top five to seven wide receiver numbers in 2020. So I'm probably the wrong guy to ask on this particular scenario. Yeah, because um, A.J. Brown is your default it's the yeah, default he's, third, he's my, fourth rounder. He's my default fourth <laughs> rounder. So give me somebody else. Give me somebody else. Okay. Let, 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 let's let's completely remove him from the equation. Yeah, okay. So I, I got Patty Mahomes. <laughs> okay. I got Patty Mahomes under center. I got Eckler and Zeke in the backfield. I, I could yep. go flex here and go Aaron Jones if I want. But get... yep. Let, let's say let's say AJ Brown's off the board. You couldn't get him. So you're looking at Aaron Jones. You're looking at Cortland Sutton, and you're looking at. Jonathan Taylor. Can I trade for AJ Brown in this scenario? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not taking, I'm taking Aaron Jones over Sutton for trade purposes alone. I feel like I could turn, I could turn, I could get creative and turn that before week one, before we see anything fall apart. Um, Jonathan Taylor, that's a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. God, that, see, this is, this is a good question because. I, I, the same reservations I have about Taylor, I have about Aaron Jones. They're just in reverse. You know, I feel like Taylor's not right. going to get enough work early, but will be unleashed as the season goes along. I feel like Aaron Jones could get his work taken from him as he either gets hurt or leaves uh, a lot of leaves a lot of the work for for AJ Dillon. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say I still like Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. More than Jonathan Taylor in redraft. If it's dynasty, Jonathan Taylor's gone already. But right. but in redraft, I'm going to take Aaron Jones and I'm going to do my best to try and turn him because I feel like that's that's stock value uh, at, at a at a pretty low value that you know you can go into the market the next day and probably sell for more. Um, but that's that's a tough one. I'd get AJ Dillon in my draft and and maybe I do roll if I can't get rid of Aaron Jones for high enough value. I just go get. AJ Dillon and I secure myself that 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 Packers running back spot. I'm having a real hard time with this man. I really am because when I'm looking at at what Aaron Jones is and and he's a 25 year old talented versatile running back who's coming off of an incredible year who is on the contract year. They're only paying him two point two million dollars this year. Contract year. I feel like this is the year that they need to run him to the ground and really see what they got to see if this guy's going to be a franchise guy or not. And um, I'm almost thinking that A.J. Dillon may just be the Jamal Williams replacement and not necessarily a threat to Aaron Jones' value. There, Therefore, I'm talking to myself into maybe drafting Aaron Jones at the end of the third round because the upside is top five. The downside is you handcuff A.J. Dillon, right? So do you, do you kind of see where I'm going with this? Yeah, but what, what, uh, let me just throw this at you real quick. What's contract year even mean anymore? I mean, I, I used to think that that mm-hmm. for sure meant something. And then, then we watch A.J. Green not even consider that in his, do I return <laughs> and show show people I still got it? Or do I ruin all my market value by not coming back and playing football during my contract year? Like, so, you know, I, I don't even know what, how much that factors into these, these players' minds anymore or if they even understand that. And, and guys like, you know, Melvin Gordon, Lev Bell, you know, the, the damage they did to their values by holding out, these running backs don't uh, understand, you know, what it means to to showcase yourself at the right time. So I don't even know if I if I use that argument mm-hmm. anymore. But I'm with I, I'm with you, man. You get yeah. AJ Dillon with Aaron Jones, and again, it's a flow thing for me. You know, I, yep. I it, depending on who's there in your scenario, I'm taking Aaron Jones and I'm getting Dillon at almost any cost, even if I have to reach a whole round ahead of his ADP. 
I just think that there's a really good chance that Aaron Jones, just based off of the mentality of, 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 of what people in the narrative that's painted right now, can significantly fall in your drafts more than you expect. And if he's going to fall to the point that he's going to be your, your RB2, then I just think the, 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 the risk is worth it because, yeah. the, honestly, the Packers have nobody, man. They have Devontae Adams, but they did not address the offense the way they were supposed to. Yeah, Like, like Aaron Rodgers is going to go with familiarity at the end of the day. And uh, I just feel that, that if that offense is still expected to be productive and, and be successful, it's, it's going to come off of the back of the players that are playmakers. Yeah. It's Aaron Jones and it's Devontae Adams. So I, I don't know, man. I'm saying it here first, but Aaron Jones could be a league winner if the EDP continues to fall. Yeah, okay. So that's that. I'm on board. <laughs> And we, we just turned this into the Aaron Jones podcast, by the right. way. But yeah, <laughs> hey, man, you know he he, is, he had nineteen touchdowns. He deserves at least one podcast this offseason. Yeah, exactly, man. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show.